Hello, and welcome to our podcast called the Virtual CISO Chronicles. In this podcast, I will interview a virtual CISO to talk about cybersecurity, entrepreneurship, and business. I'm your host, Caroline McCaffrey, one of the co-founders of ClearOps, a, sof a software platform exclusively for VCSOs, cybersecurity professionals who consult with companies to build cybersecurity programs. To tell you a little bit about me, I have over 22 years of experience as a startup lawyer, and I like to think of myself as an advocate, especially in the fields of data privacy and cybersecurity. But I grew up in, in an entrepreneurial home, and I absolutely love listening to people's stories. So I started this podcast to feature people who are working hard in cybersecurity to make the world a better place. Our guest today is Sarah Louise. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to be talking to you. So primary first question, and please be detailed, but tell us about yourself and please try to include something that's non-security related. Oh, sure. So my name is Sarah Louise. Uh, I'm virtual CISO, really focusing on building security programs kind of from the ground up. Last eight years, I've been specifically focusing on leadership, um, building the security teams, helping businesses to see security as an aspect of business activities and not just an IT activity, um, really expanding out into business continuity, uh, all of the types of things, uh, risk management, compliance, privacy, lots of different aspects. Um, that's really where I spend my time when I'm outside of that. The, the fun fact that I have about not cybersecurity is I actually do aerial arts in my free time. So I'm an aerial performer. Um, I've been doing it for about two years. It's a lot of fun and I've, it's a, been my fitness journey really. So that's where I spend my time outside of cybersecurity. Um, it's very interesting and I meet a lot of different people and I've actually had a few business opportunities come out of that as well, working with people who own their own businesses, um, some different volunteering opportunities, people who have small online websites, I can go in and kind of do some assessments for them. So it's actually been an interesting way to build my network surprisingly. Um, and I find a lot of people in that work in healthcare, they work in uh, manufacturing. So there's a lot of different connections that I can make from there. Um, really, I work in a lot of different um, industries. So I work in, I've started in gaming when I got out of the Air Force. I actually started doing cybersecurity 11 years ago when I enlisted. Um, and I was sort of tricked into it by my recruiter. He said it would be really exciting. It would be like the movies. I'd be fighting hackers and learning all this really fun stuff. And it, it wasn't quite what he said it would be, but I actually ended up enjoying it. Um, I really started doing what's what the Air Force calls information assurance. So it's more of the governance, risk and compliance side of things, um, communication, security, policy, interpretation, uh, all those kinds of things. And it turns out I really had a knack for it. So I got to cross train into some privacy as well. Um, the Air Force is really where I got my start in cybersecurity and found out that I have a passion for it. So it's been a, a long 11 years since then, but that's how I got started. That's uh, so, so much in there is really interesting. Um, of course, we're going to talk about the aerialist. Yes, uh, yes. To it. But for purposes of the Air Force, one of the things you said to me that kind of stuck a little bit in my brain was you said when you, you were sort of tricked by the recruiter, what do you, <laughs> so you were, were you thinking about going into service? And so you met with a recruiter or was, did that, did that happen randomly that you met a recruiter and they convinced you to join? 
So I actually intended to join the Air Force, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I maybe wanted to do something in the arena of law, but I was very unsure. I have a military family. My dad and my sister were both in the Air Force. So that's why I joined. Um, I took my ASVAB, which is the test to see what job you're matched with. And the recruiter basically gave me a list and said, here's the list of options that you have. And he went through and explained what they were um, it to the best of his knowledge. He also, I think, got a bonus for me enlisting in certain jobs. So there's that factor as well, but it, it did work out for me as well. I really did end up uh, finding kind of my niche. I thought again, like I wanted to be a lawyer or something in the legal arena. And now I really primarily work with lawyers and the legal industry. Uh, a lot of e-discovery firms, those mm. types of uh, those types of firms are the ones that tend to have the most security need and also the biggest budget for security. They understand the value of security. So they're really able to invest in it. Um, and they also have a lot of legal and client requirements as well that you build in there. So lots yeah. of security in there is definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I do see a lot of correlation between lawyers and cybersecurity professionals, yeah. specifically in the, we, you know, lawyers, we read statutes and we interpret them and then we apply them to the specific situation that our clients face. And I think Absolutely. cybersecurity professionals do pretty much the same thing. You read a lot of regulations and then you interpret them for your clients in terms of how does that translate into better cybersecurity. Absolutely. So. And I think with the laws and regulations starting to come out around cybersecurity and privacy as well, it's only the overlap's just going to increase more and more for sure. Yeah, it's actually why my mission at ClearOps is to bridge the gap between privacy and security because of that. It, but um, okay, so you went to the Air Force, then where did you go? I actually got my start outside of the Air Force, civilian side. I started working for a uh, casino. Mohegan Sun is the name of the casino. It's a local casino to me. Um, really enjoyed working there. My boss at the time was a Navy veteran, so he was willing to kind of give me that uh, bridge opportunity. That tends to be where people have the most issue. Um, hmm. I actually volunteered with an organization called WISIS, Women in Cybersecurity, um, recently to be a veteran mentor. That was last year. Um, to help them bridge the gap for um, veteran members who are recently separating and trying to transition over. The majority of the issue is terminology, I find. There's a lot of differences in terminology, insecurity and privacy, um, compliance, all of those types of things. They're very similar and there's so much overlap, but the verbiage that's used is just vastly different. So helping everyone to understand that as well as when you, when you come into a new organization as a military member, sometimes it's hard to understand how the chain of command works now. So you're used to it being very clear and defined. Here's where you go. Here's who you go to. Here's where your orders come from. When you transition to civilian side, you have to be a little bit more of a self-starter. Sometimes you have to know where to go for this type of information. So that program was really great in giving uh, the members some information on how to do that and how to bridge that information gap. Super interesting. And then, okay, so after Mohegan Sun, what did, what happened? After Mohegan Sun, I went to an organization called Logs, um, A360 Inc. It's a legal, it's a law firm, a huge network of, law, of legal firms in the United States. Um, and I was the information security manager there. Um, a lot of similarities to what I did on the Air Force side, the governance, risk, and compliance side of the house. I was really focusing on the compliance team in terms of IT security and, and IT compliance. Um, 
bridging that gap and helping the compliance team to understand the technical terminology and helping the IT team to understand the compliance terminology and what was needed from both. So that gave me a really good opportunity to learn some of the jargon, the IT jargon and how to translate it. Um, that's one of the things that I find I do most often now in my virtual CISO role is kind of translation, translating of tech talk into uh, executive speak, helping them to understand it in terms of the risk that it presents. Um, that was a really valuable opportunity for me because it gave me a really good heads and head uh, head start into the legal industry and learning how to translate that in a really effective way. Um, that opportunity allowed me to transition into leading a team as well. It was my first time directly leading a team, which was really great. I had three security analysts under me on that team. Um, we were building the compliance program from the ground up as well as completely redoing the security strategy. There had not been a documented security strategy at that point. There was also an organizational change going on. We Part of the organization got split out into another organization. So we were kind of dual running two different teams. Um, wow. And I learned a lot in that time. It was also my first real forte into ISO 27001 and SOC 2 Type 2, which is now, again, where I find a lot of the business comes from. A lot of organizations have a push to kind of get compliant with that standard. And I've really found that if you incorporate it into the business operations and don't just make it a compliance kind of checkbox mentality, um, it tends to be a lot more successful. And in that instance is really where I got kind of the trial by fire of, um, they unfortunately had their old security leader pass away very suddenly. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so when I came in, there was a huge gap in knowledge. Um, no one had no had any knowledge on how to run the security program. There was a lot of information that that individual had held um, that was just lost. So we kind of rebuilt the program and it was really an opportunity for me to figure out how, again, trial by fire was the best way to do it. Um, from then, I went on and I did consulting work, which is really where I found uh, my niche and found that I enjoyed it the most. I was working um, at an organization that was called, oh my gosh, I cannot, it was called CQR. There we go. And then they were sold and they were actually, they were sold to CyberCX. Um, CyberCX is a huge global um, uh, cybersecurity consulting firm. They're specifically out of Australia. I had a lot of time to work there. I worked there for quite a few years um, and I was the lead cybersecurity consultant in the U.S., and that's really when I found my VCSO calling. I started doing some VCSO work, just falling into it from just a need. Um, we really focused on ISO 27001 and SOC 2 compliance, but we had so many clients that were coming in and getting this program put in place, and then they just didn't have anyone to run it, and they needed help with the continuous monitoring of it, um, continuous running. They just needed that guidance. Um, and that's when we kind of created the VCSO role um, for myself. I started going in and creating a security strategy and then a roadmap from there where I would say, here's what you need based on your requirements, um, your business needs, uh, here's the industry standard, all of that put together. We would put together a risk assessment and say, here's the risk if you are not to put this control in place, do you accept the risk or do you want to whatever mitigate, do you want to transfer? Um, sometimes it resulted in them just saying, we want to get a higher insurance policy, we realize, but other times it was uh, pretty drastic overhauls of the program. Uh, looking at 
ISO 22301 as well a lot, the business continuity standard um, mm -hmm. really started to get business resiliency in place. So the business continuity, disaster recovery, incident response, kind of bringing it all under one umbrella, um, really putting that in place for the client and then not just putting it in place and saying, okay, goodbye, helping them to continue to review it, make sure it was appropriate for them, help them to test it. And then when it came down to it, if they needed to use any of those plans, being there to support them as the kind of security voice. Um, that really was a fantastic, fantastic opportunity for me to kind of take that and run with it. Um, I was one of the first few U.S. employees at that organization. Mm -hmm. So they are there now, actually. They have um, a president. They, they've, they're much more established since I left. And it's interesting now to see I'm still connected with a lot of them. It's a really great, really great place. Um, they have really transformed that, that program. So, Now, did I hear you correctly in, in that you're the one who essentially started and built their virtual CISO practice within CyberCX? Yeah, so they in the within the U.S. business, um, the U the they had a U.K. business and an Australian business, and they all operated as kind of separate entities. We worked more closely with the U.K., and they had not had any virtual CISO business up to that point. So this was kind of the first opportunity. Um, we had some templates from pre programs we had created for ISO twenty seven thousand and one, and from there, I was able to kind of tweak them and put them out into place. Um, we had a couple of law firms specifically that it was their first security leadership. So it was a good opportunity for us to go in and kind of build that. And really um, myself and a couple other team members that were really critical in kind of getting that off the ground and running. Okay. That, that's, it's really interesting because now I'm going to take you into starting your own consultancy as I mean are you are you just doing it by yourself or do you have other people working with you so I'm just doing it by myself the virtual CISO consulting yeah um, security consulting I am actually working on the side completely separate from this but I have a very good friend that I was in the military with his name is Mike Weisgarber he started a company called SPM Technologies and it is a government contracting and acquisition management company so I've been doing some contract officing stuff officer stuff on the side with that as well, but the virtual CISO stuff, yeah, that's that's just me. Um, I have mostly very small clients right now because okay. I'm supporting it myself. Um, really, I'm looking for my next full-time role while I do this. Um, okay. I don't think that I'm gonna be doing this full-time uh, for myself. I prefer actually to work with a larger organization that gives me more of the support needs. Um, but I right now have just a few clients and then I mostly do a lot of um, kind of one-off vulnerability scanning, uh, website kind of security reviews. Uh, I have policies that people send me here and there to review for them. It's just a lot of kind of one-off, whatever I can do to help. Um, the companies that I work with tend to not really know what they want because they are small mom and pop shops. Um, okay. They really don't know what they need. And they also don't really have much of a budget for anything. So it's finding the free tools that we can work with or working with their current subscriptions. You'd be surprised how many small organizations have a subscription to Microsoft already that gives them some sort of security that they didn't even know about. So going through and reviewing their tools to kind of say, 
what do you have that you're already paying for that you can use, that you can leverage, or what other free tools? I mean, Malwarebytes, there's, there's just so many free tools out there mm -hmm. that I really can recommend these small businesses. Um, a lot of it I'm doing right now kind of pro bono, if you will. It's not, not okay. pro bono, but doing a lot of kind of volunteer work, um, trying to get in work with some of the local schools and stuff like that as well, because there's a big security need around schools and, and the smaller government agencies. Yeah, I mean, uh, it could be a whole episode on its own about yeah. security at schools, um, for sure. So, okay, so you just said that you're you're freelancing or the consultant cons consulting business you're running right now as an individual, you're not thinking about long term. I was going to ask you the question of whether your experience at CyberCX building their virtual CISO, you know, Americans um, arm led you to think, hey, I'm going to go do it myself, but it. Now, now I'm sort of picking up maybe that's not quite right. No. So actually, my most recent position, I was working at an organization called HBR Consulting. Um, they were purchased out and my position was unfortunately eliminated. So I built that team up, actually. So from what was it? Probably November. I'm, I'm, the years are just blending together, I swear. I think it was around November 2021. I switched over and started working with them. Um, they had sort of a mass exodus of security uh, at the time. And they mm. really, I had been working with them as a consultant. So it was a really great opportunity for me to go in. I already knew the organization. Um, it was a really good switch. And I was able to kind of come in and um, rebuild their team. We did a lot of internal promotions, which was really exciting. Um, they have a huge help desk business. So we were able to kind of go in and pick out some of the talent from there that had just been sitting on the help desk, promote them up, get them some security expertise. Um, very disappointed to have my position eliminated. It was, I, I've been telling everyone, it was my dream team, honestly. Hmm. That is the most talented security team that I have absolutely ever worked on. Um, Every individual on that team was far more knowledgeable than me about security, and that is why I wanted them on my team. They were all fantastic, really technically inclined, just such a great team. Um, so hoping I can find maybe my next dream team. I really focus a lot on the team building aspect, making sure that my team has what they need, um, giving them the support. Uh, I'm really big on like involving the rest of the organization. So through security steering committees, we had established a huge security steering committee within the organization. Um, that's what, something that I do at all of my clients actually too. A security steering committee, getting representation from across the business to really come in and say, here's our view of security. They can bring it back to their part of the business um, and say, here's what you need to know. Here's what's important for you. It's really helpful in cases of audits, for example, when you need to gather evidence and get information from across the business. Yeah. It's also really helpful for training and education. So um, yeah, yeah kind of went off on a little tangent there, but that's no, really that's why great. I'm looking for my next position. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you have an entrepreneurial spirit within organizations. Like you prefer to be within an organization, but you still have an, an entrepreneurial bug, frankly. This is what it sounds like just as someone who met you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I definitely think that I do. I really like to, uh, I mean, my last team, for example, when we first all got together, we finally got the team all promoted up. No one really knew each other and we kind of went off and did our own thing. We did this uh, adventure ropes course where we like climbed around and we all got to, it was a really good team bonding and 
just unique things like that I try to bring to the team. Uh, we had a lot of different, like we had meme competitions online. It was a very millennial based team and mm-hmm. we all had a lot of fun. And it's, it's really, uh, I like being a part of a team. And I think that that's why I'm not sure that working for myself is, is for me simply because I like to have people there to bounce ideas off of. I like to have people there to support me and just confirm that my decisions are the right decisions. And I like to hire people, like I said, that are smarter than me. I want everyone on my team to know more than I do. And without that there, I guess I, maybe I just don't feel as confident because I really like to have um, those individuals there. I think that a a team coming together with different backgrounds, uh, for example, I have this individual, this engineer on my last team, he really had a lot of experience with just incident management. And during an incident, he was actually able to identify the attack vector before our forensics organization was that we hired. Absolutely mind-blowing individual. I I like having people like that on my team. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like the team component, perhaps the managing component of it. I'm just hearing from your voice that you really enjoy managing a team or, or coaching a team. It depends on, you know, how you want to phrase that, but it, it, it does sound it, that's coming across to me. Absolutely. Uh, so let me ask you then a question along that line, when you are building up that team and you're, you know, maybe promoting people and you say you like to have people that are smarter than you in the room, which I think is a fantastic quality of any leader. How do you recommend to those who are just getting started in their cybersecurity path, career path, um, any advice that you would give them? Yeah, this is the most common question that I find. So I would say, take what you love about security, be very vocal about it and get as much cross training in it as you can reach out to your security team. If you're a part of an organization, just express to them that you're interested for me personally, as a leader, I don't look for people who have security experience necessarily. I have people that have other experience that I know could very easily cross train into security, but have an interest in security. The biggest, the biggest fight with security, the biggest issue, if you don't love it, you're going to hate it. If you're not passionate about security, it's gonna bore you to death. So if I know <laughs> this person loves security, they want to do it and they are passionate about it. That is honestly half the battle. And those are the individuals that I'm gonna look for above all else. Um, I'd also say there's a lot of really good beginner certifications out there. Um, I started my career with the Security Plus. I think that really gave me a nudge into the industry just to say, you're interested, you know about it. And a lot of organizations will actually pay for certifications. So look into those kinds of things, see what you can actually leverage from your current position um, and just network, really reach out to individuals. There are so many individuals on LinkedIn that are constantly giving free education and sharing tips, um, sharing knowledge. There's just a a lot out there that you can find. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely agree with you on uh, how to get started in this in this sector. Um, since this this podcast talks a little bit about the intersection of building your own business, I'm just going to ask you one question about running your own consultancy that I ask everybody, <laughs> which is because you you've been a consultant several times. So, okay. what is the hardest the ha- hardest part about being a consultant? And specifically in cybersecurity, if, if there's something that's unique about that. 
I would say the hardest part, I definitely think that it is unique for cybersecurity. The hardest part is you are going to come into organizations and there's IT departments that have been established for decades. Absolutely just, they've been running the show. They know absolutely everything about their job inside and out. And they don't want security coming and tell them what to, what to do. They don't want security to change it and make it more difficult for them. You really have to be sensitive to the fact that these individuals, this job is their life. They've been doing this for so long. They're very comfortable in it. You have to make sure that you explain it to them in a way that makes sense to them and a way that shows them that you're going to make their life easier. And how you can kind of demonstrate that to them is, if it's you're talking to an executive and they're concerned, you can talk about it in terms of risk. But if you're talking to an IT professional, you really have to put it in technical terms to them in a way that they can understand. You have to break it down and you have to be prepared to ask a lot of questions and really be prepared to sometimes say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm going to come back and find it for you. They have to feel heard and understood for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the uh, two of the things I'm getting out of this podcast with you is one being a translator is a really important component of this job. And then two, making sure you build trust with the team is Absolutely. also a critical part of the job. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that really building the trust with the team, that's probably a, really, it's a huge one and it's, it can be very difficult as an outside consultant to kind of come in and break down those walls. So really like, I mean, giving it to term in them to term in terms of, excuse me, giving it to them in terms of uh, that they understand and that they can really take back to their teams and they can explain, make yourself accessible and make it so that they understand. Yeah, definitely. Oh, great advice. And, you know, and I, unfortunately we're out of time, which is, you know, I could keep going for sure, but can you please tell people, our listeners, where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Again, my name is Sarah Louise linkedin.com slash in slash Sarah dash Louise. Um, and that, yeah, that's where you can mainly find me right now. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Sarah. It was really awesome listening to you and hearing your story. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can find all of our blogs in this podcast on Substack or Apple podcasts at the security expert marketplace. So thanks again. And um, see you next time.